What a great song and a great place to begin this message as we book in this Christmas season. We book in it with where we started in Isaiah chapter 7 and chapter 9, and then we're going to finish today, if you will, the book in in Isaiah chapter 52 as we see this great hope for God's people foretold in the book of Isaiah. But before we do, um, here starting next week, I'm really excited about the next sermon series. It's called Foundations. I'm going to put it up here on the screen. Great themes of the Bible. Great themes of the Bible. So we're going to be looking at some of the great confessions and creeds of our past and, and how they kind of take a look at some of those great themes that we see throughout Scripture and those things that have, have, we have leaned on, uh, those truths of Scripture that we have leaned on as believers for two millennia now. And we're going to look at those things and look at why they matter to you today, why they matter in your daily life. They matter because they matter simply because they are the words of God, and the very truth of Scripture. But how is it and why daily can you draw inspiration from those things and, why, and how can you draw hope in the midst of those great themes of Scripture? We're also going to do something a little bit different too uh, because there is so much material in each one of these great themes. It's too much that you could do in the midst of one sermon or even a couple of sermons. And really there's so much that needs to be done that would almost be sort of lecture style or almost a teaching style. And we'll do a little bit more of that than what we normally do in a sermon on Sunday morning. But there's so much of that that we can't cover. So we're going to do something a little bit different and that we're going to have some supplemental material along with it. You know, we've done that from time to time where we posted some things on social media, some things that you can look at and some things that you can go and study on your own. But we're really going to implement that in the midst of this sermon series throughout the course of it. And so here's the thing. I want to put out an offer to you. I've also done, I haven't done anything like this before. If there's some of you out there that really like that sort of thing and compiling that sort of thing. I would really like for you to contact me and help me out in compiling some of that material that we can put together that will be supplemental to what we do in here as part of the sermon series. So if you want to do that, you can contact me through the website, uh, and you can find my email there, or you can contact the church office. We'd love to have some help with those of you who just love to help kind of compile some of that and make some of that supplemental, supplemental material to this sermon series that we're going to start. But as we draw ourselves back again to this sort of the other bookend of this set of bookends of this Christmas season, Isaiah chapter 52, some of you may have heard, as we're putting a picture up here on the screen now, of this group of, uh, of tribesmen called the Tarahumara uh, Indians of Mexico. This is a, a, a culture of people that are, had a great history of ultra running, distance running, like 50 plus miles at a time is not unusual for them. It's, it's amazing as it sounds. And they run in these little sandals here. You can see these sandals. We're going to show you, not right now, but here in just a few seconds, we're going to show you a, a close-up view of this footwear that they run in. And this dates back centuries and centuries, the great ancient history of these people, in which this was a swift and reliable form of communication. As we well know, they didn't have smartphones, they didn't have the cloud, they didn't have all of these sort of accoutrements that we have in modern society. And so if there were important messages, whether they be poor, bad, or whether they be great messages, uh, this was a reliable form of communication, especially in the terrain. They couldn't always get beasts of burden up and down some of the hills and some of the terrain. And so this developed in this culture. And it became more than just a practical means of communication. It became uh, a, a real cultural touchstone. And so, in fact, some of the descendants uh, to this day have a great ultra-running history um, as part of their culture. Now, how do you say this ties into today? 
Well, as we see here in Isaiah chapter 52, and in fact, we see the phraseology echoed in Romans as well, where we'll see it says that how beautiful are the feet that carry the message of God. How beautiful are the feet who bring that good news. Well, if you take a look at this next picture, you can imagine from all of that running, you don't necessarily have beautiful feet, do you? And that's what they would run in, those little sandals there. Could you imagine running in that? In fact, you'll see if you do any research and sort of runnersworld.com or any of the great running sites and magazines, there's lessons that they draw from this, from this group of people and many other groups of people like them that, that have this sort of minimalist running and what sort of things can be applied uh, to runners even today. But one thing that it doesn't do is that you don't have literally beautiful feet in this sort of running. But as we draw our attention now to the passage here, it says in verse 7, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Let's pray. Lord God, as we come to this passage today, as we are not quite to this new year yet, but as we're heading into this new year. It's always a time in which we're reminded of all things being made new. And God, we see that theme throughout Scripture. And so as we think about the calendar rolling over and newness of a calendar year, it draws our attention to the great true newness that you bring us in Christ. God, we know dating all the way back to the origin of humanity, our ancestors, our forefather and foremother, Adam and Eve, fell into sin. And through it all, we have been infected with sin and we participate in sin ourselves. And because of that, you being a holy God, you've told us that we are separated from you. But God, the wonderful theme of redemption, the wonderful story of, of redemption that, is, that you have woven throughout Scripture tells us that even though we are dead in our trespasses and sins, Lord, that you sent Jesus Christ, your Son, God the Son. He stepped out of heaven wrapped himself in flesh, was born in a humble beginning, laid in a manger one day to hang upon an old rugged cross, that through his death we might be free, those that would place our faith and trust in him, that we might be free and forgiven of sin, adopted into your family, and have a certainty of heaven. Lord God, as we look now at at this bookend passage in this Christmas season, May we look at this message of hope to, to the ancient Israel, Israeli people, the, the Jewish people of old. Lord, may we take it as also a great principle and a great story of hope for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we do, we see the setting here in Isaiah chapter 52. It's not the end of the book, but it is kind of bringing things, bringing the book to a close. And again, as we've said quite a few times in just the last few minutes, it is a bookend for us of this Christmas season. As we think about the song that we just sung of Emmanuel, God with us, Isaiah chapter 7, we see that Emmanuel prophecy, that God isn't a distant God, but he is a God who comes to his people to rescue us. And he came in the form of God the Son, wrapped in flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. And we see here this uh, great prophecy to the people of Israel that, were, uh, that saw Assyria on the doorsteps, and they saw themselves to be scattered, and the Babylonian people as well, to scatter them to the four winds. We see this prophecy given through Isaiah, words of God given through Isaiah of hope. 
of hope to the people. And one of the great things that we see not only in the book of Isaiah, but many of the the books of the prophets of old is that oftentimes these prophecies have multiple points of focus. And so you would see an immediate hope for the people there, uh, a relative immediacy, and that yes, uh, Assyria, yes, Babylon, they were on the doorstep within a matter of 150 years, and, and, and both the northern and southern kingdom, as they knew them, would be decimated. The people would be expelled from the land. There was still hope. But also, it spoke of a great hope of the coming king, Emmanuel, God with us. And it speaks finally of his kingdom as he returns. But we see this great passage of hope for us and a great message for us, too, of encouragement and challenge for us as believers in Jesus Christ as we go into this new year, as we go into our world to be reminded that we are ones, we are messengers, we are beautiful because we carry the message of Jesus Christ into our world. And so that's the very first thing that we're going to see here in verse 7, beautiful messengers, the beautiful messengers that have beautiful feet. And just like the Tarahumara Indians, they're, they're, whose feet were truly, objectively not beautiful feet because of all the running that they had done, you could say in a way, as, as was the meaning here as well, that if you date back into the centuries past of the, of the history of the Tarahumara people, that no matter what the actual physical feet looked like, it was an illustration for that messenger was welcome, that messenger who would bring great news. Now, undoubtedly, throughout the history of this people, here that we looked at in the picture just a few moments ago, there were these messengers that would bring messages of, uh, of peril and of terror. But yet, how sweet it must have been when they'd bring message of great victory or something great that it's done that affected their people. And so when we think about this illustration here of this Tarahumara people, and we think again as we put ourselves in the place of the of the people of Israel, who, yes, saw destruction upon their doorstep, but yet knew that there was hope to, to, to be had. There was hope in the future. We think about ourselves, again, as the messengers of God, who have beautiful feet because of the message that we carry. It says this, first of all, how beautiful upon the mountain. How beautiful upon the mountain. We know in those days that mountain the, the mountainous terrain, they would have to go far and wide, climb any hill, climb any mountain. Sounds like an old song, I know. But they would do those things. They would go into the valleys wherever they needed to go to find the people to carry the good news of the message. And it spoke again, this prophetically as it looked forward, that the messengers, the heralds would carry this great news. How beautiful upon the, the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. As again, we draw this principle into our modern context, the context of walk out the door context, walk out from from this church uh, and this gathering today, and we draw it into our walk out the church context, it speaks of the action of needing to go. So not only did the message need to be carried out of the valleys and upon the mountains, but it needed feet to carry it. How beautiful are the feet? As we see again, this passage echoed in the book of Romans, We have to ask ourselves at times and in our most honest of times and conversations with God as believers in Jesus Christ who know our own failings and our own weaknesses, we have to think, God, why did you choose us? Why did you choose us frail and failing people to be the primary messengers of the good news of the gospel? God, if he wanted to, could have written it upon heavenly billboards, the message of Jesus Christ. But why did he choose us to be the messengers of the good news of the gospel? But yet he tells us that he goes before us. It takes action. 
That's what feet speak to. How beautiful are the feet? It takes the action, even though we feel as though we're flawed and failing. How beautiful are the feet of him who brings that good news, who proclaims peace. You see, ultimately, the good news, the greatest of news, is that news of peace. As we've talked about many times before, and this is one great theme of Scripture, is that unlike what the world tells us, is that we aren't people that have just made mistakes, and we've just kind of casually walked away from the Lord. You see, what the Bible tells us is the picture of sin in our life, is the sin is the missing the mark of who God is, his character and his will in our lives, and he calls that sin in the Bible. And because of that, not because God is mean or ugly or he's trying to suppress us from heaven, but because he is a holy God, it says that that sin separates us from God, separates us from God. And in fact, in Romans chapter 5, it says that there's enmity between man and between God because of sin. But here's the wonderful news, is that through Jesus Christ, through God sending his one and only son to die upon the cross for our sins, and as he hung upon the cross, the sum total of the sin of mankind hung upon his shoulders, it says that because of that, we can have peace with God, Ephesians chapter 4 and throughout the entirety of Romans. It says that we can have peace with God. You see, that's the good news, the gospel message, that all of mankind, no matter where we come from, no matter what we've done, we are all separated from God because of sin. But if the news was to to remain and to rest there, it wouldn't be good news at all. It'd be pretty bad news. The good news is that God, because of his zeal for his own glory and his love for us, he sent Jesus Christ, his one and only son, He stepped out of heaven, stepped into flesh, ultimately to die upon the cross for our sin, that if we place our faith and trust in him as our Savior and Lord, and as Jesus himself said, we repent, turn from our old way of life, and turn towards him in belief that he is the Savior, the God of the universe, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, then we too might be saved, and we might have peace with God. So how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings that good news, who proclaims peace. So immediately in the context, it was a herald that would bring good news in sort of a later immediacy of, yes, there would be a return to Jerusalem and to Israel. But as we know, the, the, the secondary focus and the greater focus, in fact, is, the, is that there are the messengers, there is the good news, the message of peace between man and God, who proclaims peace, who brings the glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who proclaims salvation. You know, if you're just joining us today, you may have heard me talk about just a moment ago during our prayer time, our gathered prayer time, I talked about our 500 breakthroughs. I referenced the board over here. This is going to be another great theme throughout this year. For those of you who are here today and you ask, what in the world is that? Well, we as a church, of the course of almost the last year, we've been walking through together a goal that we've set for ourselves of having 500 uh, breakthroughs gospel breakthroughs with those that we know need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and need to give their life to the Lord Jesus. And so what we've said is that not only is it extremely important to actually share the good news of the gospel with friends, family member, coworker, whatever it may be, but we want to celebrate each step along the way of a person coming to faith in Christ that's really important. So for some of you out there that have never shared your faith before, or maybe you've been really out of practice sharing your faith, It's a really big deal for you to even ask the question to someone, can I pray for you? It's a really big deal to go out to lunch with someone and turn the conversation from just football or what's on TV to ask them a deeper spiritual question. 
And all of those things are absolutely important steps in what we hope to be the person coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And as we do that, we want to celebrate those things and we want to set that goal for ourselves as well as a church family. And so again, it's something as we come down to about the last three or four months of doing this, we still have a great goal before us uh, and a great challenge before us of, of, of completing these 500 breakthroughs. Now, here's the thing about it. We know the numerical goal isn't the ultimate goal. You know, it's, it's a really neat goal, something for us to shoot for. The ultimate goal is that our hearts are turned and our spiritual eyes are turned to where God's eyes are, are and that is upon the lost of our world. But we have about three, four months. If you count them up there, there's about 13 rows left, 20 apiece, 20 rows or 13 rows of 20 cards. And so if we think about those that are gathered here in this room today, and of course, we're still on a holiday weekend, so this isn't even our whole number here. We could very easily each week have 20 a week that we do. The number is not ultimately the most important thing. What's most important is the people. But let us think about that again. What a great uh, goal for us to set personally in our lives as we kind of roll into this new year. As we live out, verse 7, of being the messengers with beautiful feet that carry the good news, the gospel. Again, you say to me, Pastor, I, I really want to share my faith with someone. And as we looked at a couple of months ago, we actually trained ourselves right in here on Sunday morning, did some basic training in how to share our faith. But you say, Pastor, that's still right now a bridge too far with my coworker. Let me tell you again. Ask the person, can you pray for them? Is there anything you can pray with them about? Take them out to lunch. Look for opportunities to, to ask questions of a deeper nature. All of us, all of us have pain. All of us have burden. Whether it's bubbled at the surface or whether it's deep down, there's an opportunity to speak with someone, to share with someone, to pray with someone. A beautiful messenger is the very first thing that we see. But secondly, we see the rejoicing nations, the rejoicing nations. It says in verse 8, your watchmen shall lift up their voices. Those that are watching out upon the hills, again, it's this sort of near prophecy of looking out again at the return of the people. The watchmen shall lift up their voices, and with their voices they shall sing together. This joy that bubbles up into song. When we join ourselves together, whether it be in our Bible study departments, if we have song in our Bible study departments, or whether we're gathered here together today, whether it's riding together in your car with your family, we cannot help but sing. Whether you have a really wonderful voice or whether you're like me that has a really poor voice, uh, it is a joyful noise unto the Lord that bubbles out of a life of blessing unto the Lord. You see, what my family loves to do this thing to me. And in fact, we did this. It's one of their funny things they love to do at Christmas is they try to get me to match tone, right? That match tone. So my wife will hum a note and see if I can hit it. And I never can. Invariably, I can never hit it. So even for someone like me, and many of you share my pain in this audience today, we don't have objectively from a musical point of view a joyful noise. But for the believer in Jesus Christ, just as we see these watchmen, they're, 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 they're bubbling over in joy as it's looking at prophetically. So it should be for the life of the believer, whether it's an actual song or whether it's the Romans 12, 1 and 2 sort of lifestyle worship that we bubble over. We bubble over in joy for the good news and salvation within us. The watchmen shall lift up their voice, their voices again in verse 8. With their voices they shall sing together for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord brings back to Zion. I love this statement that we could very 
quickly pass over, but when we think about that immediate context, the eye-to-eye is that the blessing, the promises of God, it would be with such certainty that they would see it as if they were looking at a friend eye-to-eye. And when we think about, as we, again, draw the principle into our walk-out-the-door modern-day type of life, it, again, is whatever it is, whatever the promises of the Lord may be, they are sure and they are certain. They're sure and they're certain as it is eye-to-eye. Now, here's the thing again. As we think about our 2018, what if we were to put into practice perfectly? What if it could happen perfectly that you could put into practice every one of the very directives of God, every one of the admonitions of God, the challenges, the encouragement, the the very character of Jesus Christ. What if you could put those things into practice perfectly in this year? How wonderful your year would be. How, How satisfying your life would be. How full of joy your life would be. Not free of pain, but how full of joy your life would be. Doing it God's way. So why do we not? Why do we not? Why do we latch on to the world? Why do we latch on to our feelings? Why do we not walk in faith? As we've talked about before, a great working definition of faith is that is living and believing as though the Bible is true, even when we don't feel like it's true. And so when we see here in verse 8, they saw with prophetic certainty exactly what was going to happen. They took it to the bank. They knew what God was saying about the future was to be true. It is the same way with all of the promises of God. They are yes and yes and amen. Verse 9 says, break forth into joy, waste places. Break forth into joy. Sing together, you waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. So even those places that lay in waste for the invading armies, they know that even they have hope of the future. They look to the future, look to the joy. You see, God in in, in our particular lives and whatever our situation might be, he doesn't always work on our timetable. You see, he never promises us, as we walked through the book of James not too long ago, he never promises us that that the the Christian life will be problem-free. In fact, he promises exactly the opposite. There will be difficulties that come our way. There will be trials that come our way, but those things cause us to grow. And we have to know that God doesn't always answer questions and answer issues and difficulties upon our timetable, but his. It says in verse 10 as well, the Lord has made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of the Lord. All the peoples of the earth, all the peoples of the earth, God has a heart for those. Whether we see it reflected in, in, Roman, in, in Revelation chapter 4 and 5 and 7, it says as they are gathered around the throne, we see this picture of all of the image bearers of God through us, through us, his messengers, the nations of the world will see the salvation of God. It says also here in verse 11, as we look at not only beautiful messengers rejoicing of the nations, but also us as the holy vessels of God, as we look at, again, this bookend passage here, Emmanuel has come, and we see, again, he will return once again. And in between, as his people of God, we are called to be the beautiful messengers, taking the message to the rejoicing nations. We are called to be holy vessels. Holy vessels, it says, depart Depart in verse 11, go out from there, touch no unclean thing, go out from the midst of her, be clean, you who bear the vessels of the Lord. He says, do not flirt with sin. 
When we look again at the great history of the, of the Jewish people, the Hebrew nation, we see that in the temple, those things that were called holy and pure, the word holy means set apart. So whether it be the, the vestments and whether it be the furniture, if you will, of the, of, of the temple mount, those things like the brazen laver and the showbread, those things that were holy unto God, it meant that they were set apart unto service to him. And so they were called to be pure and to be clean because they were God's things. In the same way, we as messengers and people and the very children of God, we are called to daily be holy and set apart unto God. Ultimately, we see in Hebrews chapter 10 and in the book of Romans as well, that ultimately, if we give our life to the Lord Jesus Christ, we are made holy. We are made holy and righteous and pure, but we are called daily to live out our true identity. Do not flirt with sin. He says, depart, depart, leave it behind. Be like Joseph fleeing Potiphar's house. Leave it behind. Touch no unclean thing. For you shall not go out with haste, it says in verse 12. For you shall not go out with haste, nor by flight. For the Lord will go before you, and the guard of Israel will be your rear guard. As we are the ones who are bear the vessels, as it says again in verse 11, be clean, you who bear the vessels of the Lord. The vessels that we ultimately bear are not the holy instruments of the temple, but the vessels that we bear are ourselves. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 again tells us that we have this message, this treasure of the gospel in jars of clay. It's not about us, it's about God, but we are called as a temple of the Holy Spirit to be holy messengers the very vessels of the good news, the gospel. And it says, as we do that, as we go, the Lord goes before us. As we go out as messengers, taking that good news, the gospel, as we walk out of this place today and we take that good news of the gospel, wherever it may be, the Lord goes before us and the Lord is our rear rear guard. It says again, as we think about in verse 12, the immediate context of the people, it says, you shall not flee. You shall not go out with haste. He says, God will bring such peace in the land in the immediate context of the people that, yes, you are in the midst of upheaval and you are being deported. You are being taken from your place. You're being dispersed about throughout all the known land. There are invading armies at the doorstep. He says, there will come a day, he says to the people, where you will not go out with haste nor by flight. As bleak as it may look now, God's hope is upon the doorstep. So for us, as we bring it into our context again, for the Lord will go before you and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. We see that promise, we see that sentiment echoed throughout scripture to the people of God that the Lord will go before us and the Lord will be our rear guard on either side of us as we go out, as we go as ambassadors and messengers of the gospel, God will go before us. We say again, as we kind of lead into this new year, you look at something that that represents, 500 breakthroughs representing, again, us as a local church family, you as an individual, looking out among you, looking at the harvest field of your world, wherever God has placed you, and you said, that seems really daunting to me. You say, Pastor, if I were to be honest and admit to you, it's been a long time since I've shared the gospel. You may say, in fact, Pastor, if I'm really honest with you, I've never shared the gospel in full. That's okay. You look at something like that and you say, that looks daunting to me. Would you, as you go out, remember and realize that God is going before you and God is your rear guard. Start small. Share with someone a testimony in your own life. 
share with someone an opportunity of how prayer, an instance of how prayer has been answered in your life. Ask that person if you can pray for them. Take them out to lunch. Dig deeper into their life. Look at how you can speak to them about the things of God. And remember that God goes before you and God will be your rear guard. Let's pray. Lord God, as we look at this passage here today, as we think about this Christmas season, as we wrap up this Christmas season of knowing that God is with us, Emmanuel, God is with us, you sent your one and only son. Come to this flesh, come to this earth wrapped in flesh, Lord, that he might bring salvation to us. God, we know our own weakness and our frailty, and we think, how in the world, why in the world did you choose us to be your ambassadors? But Lord, throughout the great testimony of Scripture, throughout the great record of of your word, we see that you have often chosen those who wouldn't naturally be the first choice, Lord, that you might receive glory. And God, so we look at ourselves and we say, I'm frail and I'm weak. Lord, and I oftentimes fail you. But Lord, you've chosen us again to be, to have this treasure in jars of clay, to be ones that take this good news, this message of Jesus Christ. So Lord, as we go out into this new year, as we go out to wherever it is that you've called us, we know that we're not there by accident. Our place of work, our family, our neighborhood, we're not there by accident. Lord, may we take those opportunities, Lord, to open conversation, to share the gospel, to pray with someone, knowing that you go before us and you're our rear guard. In the name of Jesus, we do pray. Amen. Here's what we want to do. We come now to a...